this time, we jump into the middle of a story that's been told for hundreds of years. It's a story of cities decorating their streets and their sidewalks. It's a story of trees and ornaments and fireplaces, of gifts and wrapping paper and ribbons. There's expectation and wonder and hope, a deep hope that drives us back to the beginning of the story. Because it all starts here. It starts in a manger with a baby and an angel and a scared teenage girl in love with a misunderstood young man who thinks she's worth it. It's about a child who will bring light into darkness, joy into despair, revealing a God who will redeem it all. God who is leaving the glory of heaven to pursue the glory of a cross. A God who is becoming flesh and blood and skin. A God who is loving and offering all people a pathway back into the relationship for which they were created. It's too rich to comprehend and too beautiful to dismiss. This is Christmas. This is the story of stories. And it all starts here. Glad that you're here this morning, man. What a great time to be together to celebrate our risen Savior here in the middle of the holiday season. And I know many of you are getting prepared for friends, family coming in. Hopefully you've got some shopping done and out of the way. Uh, But it's always great to be back together on the first day of the week to celebrate Jesus Christ, isn't it? We do that every day of the week, but what a blessing to be together as the family to encourage one another on the journey, to lift his name up in praise, to dig into the word of God, to see what his will is for us uh, as we journey together. Uh, I want to say welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us. It's truly an honor that you're with us. And our hope, of course, would be if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to think about being a part of our spiritual family right here at Cross Point to dig into telling the story of peace that is Jesus Christ uh, each and every day as we do here as the family uh, of God that meets at Cross Point. We invite you into joining us in telling that using your gift sets uh, the way God has blessed you in so many ways. And he has blessed us in so many ways, hasn't he? Uh, What a joy it is to serve Jesus Christ, uh, to know that our life is so much more because we find ourselves in him. We are in the third week of this series called uh, Worship the King. Uh, We're going to be in Psalm 62 this morning, along with some other psalms. I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few moments uh, as we uncover this third week. You know, we started three weeks ago talking about raising our hands, and whether that is um, actually or metaphorically with a life posture, we want to work worship God in our life, don't we? We want everyone to know how excited we are to be found in Jesus Christ, that he is everything to us and we'll stop at nothing to let his name be known throughout uh, our life and everywhere that we go to let people understand and know how awesome our God truly is. Last week, Cale uh, brought in, uh, to our attention the idea of using our gifts, bringing our gifts to Jesus Christ, to worship the King. Uh, And whether that is uh, the physical gifts that we've been blessed with or the gift sets that God has given us through his Holy Spirit, we come together as a body of Christ to do just that. We want to bring our gifts to God through Jesus Christ 
uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim his name in, in every place that we go and are part of. And today we want to talk about pouring out our hearts. Because we need to be in communication with our Holy Father, do we not? He wants to hear from us in our life. Whether we're in moments of valley time where it seems dark and desolate, or we're at the mountain peak where we are celebrating what he's doing in our life. Uh, Wherever we find ourselves in life, we're called to pour out our heart to God. It's so important that we do that each and every day. Let's begin this morning, though, in our text uh, in Matthew chapter 2, as we have each week in this series um, called Worship the King. Let's begin in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel." Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. They were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, it's a beautiful story that we revisit at least once a year. As a people, we celebrate the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we gather around nativity scenes, and we exchange gifts, and we sing praises to him, old hymns. Uh, that are so beautiful. But there are some of us that our story in in this room is various and a sundry because some of us are not at a mountain peak. Some of us are are down in the valley. And as we're called to worship the king, we wonder in moments like that, how do we worship the risen Savior? Some of us are, are dealing with marriages that are not quite whole. You've wondered, how do we drift so far apart, and how do we get back together? How do we start communication again? Or we look at our adult children who may be making decisions that we would not wish them to make. They keep moving away from a relationship with God, and we pray for them, and we desire for them to have something better in life. We, we think about that doctor's report that we just heard from our last visit, where now we've got to think about the things uh, that are going to be happening in our life, tests that need to be run, diets that need to be taken, uh, heart issues that we need to resolve, maybe cancer. We wonder in these dark moments, how do we worship? Where is God? And God calls us in our life to pour out our heart to him. Wherever we find ourselves in life, we're called to pour ourselves out to him, to reach out to him. You think about the story that we just read, King Herod. He wanted to hang on to his throne. He was uh, an old man when this story was written. He wanted to hang on to that throne. He didn't want to worship the king. He wanted to kill the king. He didn't want another king. And because the wise men went a different direction, the only alternative he thought he had was to go and kill 
a lot of two-year-old babies. Now think about the families that that affected, the grief that they experienced, the valley in that moment. And yet even in those moments, God says, worship me. Bring me what's going on in your life. Pour out your heart to me. I want to be your father and I want to walk with you, not even on the mountaintop, but even in the valley. I want to be a part of what's happening in your life. And the reminder today as we work through some of these psalms, the reminder is that God cares for the brokenhearted. God loves you. His desire is to be a part of your life when you need him, when you want him near. He wants to be near to you. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 62, beginning in verse 5. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. God is our salvation. He's our rock. He's our fortress. The psalmist also says in chapter 142, I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all of my troubles. Then I pray to you, O Lord, I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. And no matter what is going on in your life, God wants to be near you. He wants to help heal you. He wants to help resolve the relationship issues that might exist in your life. He wants to bless you in every possible way. The psalmist reminds us that he is our fortress, our our refuge. In ancient Israel, God set up six different cities called cities of refuge. And there may be a moment in life where there was an accident, a farming accident, a hunting accident. It was your fault, although unintended. But the law said, an eye for an eye, a life for a life. And the family had every right to come and take what was theirs that you had taken from their family member. If you found yourself in that position, you could run to one of these six cities. And as long as you lived inside the city, as long as you were inside that city of refuge, nobody could touch you. No one could harm you. Nothing could befall you. And the psalmist wants us to know that our God is that city of refuge. That when we find ourselves in Jesus Christ when we've latched on to his Holy Spirit, when we do indeed worship the King, nothing can touch you. He is our salvation, our refuge. Kids love to have a hiding spot, don't they, when they're afraid, when they're nervous, when they're not sure about some things? I mean, how how many of you remember the place that you used to hide when you were a kid? Four of us. You know, kids, though, sometimes they, they, in the middle of the night, may get nervous, get anxious. They get underneath the bed. Or maybe they get in the closet and shut the door. Or maybe, like me, you go to the pantry and shut the door. That way you have food available <laughs> if, if you're really scared. But what's the one place, I mean, during a storm, after a nightmare, run to mom and dad's bed, right? Jump in that bed in between mom and dad, and, man, things are going to be right. Everything is safe and secure, It's a place of refuge. Now think about that metaphor as we are God's children and he, our heavenly father. 
He says, let me be your refuge. Let me be your place of solace. Let me give you the peace that you're looking for in your life. Come to me. Oklahoma has a lot of tornadoes. We lived there some 16 years, and a lot of different people have storm shelters or maybe a safe room inside their house. As a chaos is going on outside their home, they're inside this refuge, this safe place. And in our lives at times, our lives are chaotic, full of tornadoes. And as the chaos is happening outside, God says, come into my sanctuary. Come into my safe place. Let me be your refuge, your salvation. Both of our boys are young men now and have moved on doing other things in their life. Garrett's home. He came in last night with, his, with our adopted son, Riley. Uh, but it's really cool, even though they're in their own life and making decisions, when they call home and they say, hey, I got this thing going on. What do you think, mom or dad? Or they want to celebrate something and they text or call home and they let mom and dad know. You see, God is the same way with us. It's an exciting feeling when your child calls home. God's the same way with his own children. He says, pour out your hearts to me. Uh, Let me hear, let me know what's going on in your life. The conflict, the chaos, the, the celebration, whatever's happening, talk to me, communicate with me. That's one of the ways that you worship the king is you pour out your heart to God. And we all love to be needed. I'll tell you now, God loves it when you open your mouth and your heart and you call out because he wants to be a part of your life and he wants to know that you need him. Our Heavenly Father loves it when you pour out your heart. So this morning, I want to give you two things as we think about worshiping the king. What does that mean for me in my life? The very first one is this. As you pour out your heart, remember God's faithfulness in the past. In your own life, as you look backward, you think about moments that you would not have had it not been for God. You know that he was present. He was in that moment. You look at the story within the Bible, and God is firm and holds true to all of his promises. Does he not? Oh, he is faithful. Even in the chaotic moments, God is faithful. Think about his goodness to you. The psalmist in Psalm 42, most are not sure who wrote this particular psalm. Some think David did. But you can feel where the psalmist is in this text. Look at verse 3 beginning. The psalmist says, Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. One version says, I pour out my heart. As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged why is my heart so sad i will put my hope in god i will praise him again my savior and my god even in the low points in life the psalmist knows and realizes that god is god and he sits on his throne that he is god of all things and he's conquered everything but there may be people in your own life that are asking you 
Where is your God now with the chaos that I see happening in your life? And we can get discouraged at times, but God tells us, pour out your heart to me and worship the God. Some may think that that's not a a good idea to cry out to God, to let him know what's on our hearts. But remember how faithful he has been to you in your past. There's an Old Testament prophet by the name of Jeremiah. He wrote Jeremiah and Lamentations. He lived during the Babylonian exile, the trouble and the conquest that Israel was experiencing at that time. If you read through Jeremiah's story, this guy had a bad month. I mean, it's just worry and fatigue and stress and anxiety and woe is me all the time, a very depressed man. In Lamentations, he writes uh, how hurtful he is that God seems to be absent. Where is he in their exile, in the hurt that exists, not only in his own ministry, but for the nation of Israel? And for some 20 months in chapter 3 of Lamentations, he just one after another, woe is me, things are tough, things are not good. We'll pick up in verse 19. He says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And even in his despondency, Jeremiah knows who the king is. Jeremiah reaches out and worships worships the God Almighty. He's an incredible God who loves you and wants to be a part of your story no matter where you find yourself. And I know that God, some 25 years ago, when I came out of the world and back into his light, I had lost hope in myself but God still believed in me. And God believes in you as well. I mean, miracles still happen. That's the moment when I uh, found Robin. She entered my life and my life was turned around. There is no question that I married up. Any of you that know Robin would say amen to that. (laughs) I have two incredible boys now leading their own lives and moving into their own career fields. God relit my candle for kingdom work. Even Crosspoint, as we sold the Turnpike Building and began our period of wandering, finally settled here. And we continue to grow week after week, month after month, because of God's blessing. Nothing we're doing. It's the Holy Spirit. He is in this place. And he blesses every family that comes in here. He is alive in this place. And we continue to grow spiritually and numerically. I think about this prayer tree that I had out in the lobby in January. Many of you uh, wrote names on these little wooden pins and hung them on the tree. It was to symbolize the people that we were going to try to interact with this year. That was in January. Here it is mid-December. And the question remains for you, how has that relationship grown for you? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to enter that dialogue and to be with you in this journey? How has that story unfolded for you as you've poured out your heart to God for the relationships that exist on the tree? We're called to cry out to God 
to tell him maybe you don't understand what's going on in your life right now. It doesn't make sense to you. But remember God's faithfulness to you in your past and to the stories that we read in God's word. Secondly, as you pour out your heart, trusting God's power for your future. God is all-powerful. He's defeated everything. And you and I get to be called his sons and daughters. We are family. And in Psalm 102, you can feel the depth of the grief that the psalmist writes about. Maybe if you've had a super low in your own life, you can resonate with what he is going to write in Psalm 102, beginning in verse 1. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea. Don't turn away from me in my time of distress. Bend down to listen and answer me quickly when I call to you. For my days disappear like smoke and my bones burn like red-hot coal. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on the roof. My enemies taunt me day after day. They mock and curse me. But then these three words the psalmist writes, and if you've got your own Bible, circle, underline, whatever you need to do to draw attention. But he says, but you, O Lord. But you, Lord. You will sit on your throne forever. Your fame will endure to every generation. He will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. And the psalmist, even in the moment in his valley, he recognizes who God is and his place with God. God sits on his throne. He is forevermore. But you, oh God, no matter what's happening in my life, you, oh God, will reign forever. You are almighty. I don't have the ability, God, but you are all-powerful. I feel alone at times, but God, you are my safe place. You are my rock and my salvation. We're reminded that God does listen to the cries of those who are his children and who are suffering. No matter what is going on in life, we're reminded of what that prophet Jeremiah said from God in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And even in moments of chaos and conflict, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. So you're struggling with that health issue, but you, O Lord, reign for all eternity. You're, you're praying for your marriage to, to have healing in your marriage. But you, O oh Lord, will reign for all eternity. You, you want your children to begin making correct decisions, better decisions, pull them back closer to God. But in the end, you, O oh Lord, reign forever. You, you want your relationships to be smooth and transparent and journeying together toward an eternal destination. But you, O Lord, will reign forever. I am lacking, God, but but you can provide. I am battling sickness, God, but you are the, the healer. I am weak in my temptation, God, but you are strong. My life seems absolute chaos, but God, you are my place of peace. And even as we reach out and plead for God, as we pour out our hearts for relief, pleading becomes praise. Because you know 
who God is. You see, God has conquered everything. He's conquered death. He's conquered whatever you're dealing with in your life right now. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Emmanuel, God with us. He is our salvation and our rock forever and ever. He will never leave you or let you down. And so as we pour out our hearts to worship, this morning there's going to be an opportunity for you to do just that. You probably, when you walked in, noticed there were three tables in our room. And as we sing this next song, I'll call the praise team to the stage at this time. As we sing this song, I, I want you to think about it in your own life. Maybe you're at a, at a peak. Maybe you're at a mountaintop moment in your life and you want to celebrate that. Pour out your heart to God. Go write something on a card at one of the tables and let God know how blessed that you are, how much you appreciate what he's doing for you. Maybe you find yourself in the valley. You're dealing with conflict and chaos and uncertainty. God says, pour out your heart to me. Go to one of the tables and write that out on a card. Write your question. What would you're anxious about? What you're, what you're struggling with? Maybe you find yourself somewhere in between those two points. And I want to encourage you as we sing that you would go to one of the tables and write whatever it is in your life that you want to pour out to God. What question, what celebration, whatever it may be, that you would worship the king in this moment. After you're done filling out that card, there's three places you can drop them if you would like to. Two Christmas trees on either side of the stage or the cross at the back. Symbolizing that although I don't have all the answers, although I don't know exactly what I need to be doing, I'm giving this to you, God. And I know that you alone reign supreme and forever. You, God, are my rock. Pour out your heart this morning. Let's stand and sing together.